Hello, everyone, and welcome to the another episode of The Atlas. I'm your host, David Fennell. As always, I'm joined by Ross Harden. Hi, Dave. How you doing tonight? Hey, Ross. I'm doing all right. We're back for episode four. Good to be back on Sunday. I know. Yeah, we're back on Sunday. Uh, thanks to everybody who's listened to our emergency Tuesday episode. I think that came out Tuesday night or Wednesday. Uh, we didn't think we were going to get to record last week because of some scheduling issues. Uh, we still managed to get an episode in, though, and I uh, hope you guys all enjoyed it. Uh, we brought Murphy back, and he seems to be uh, favored. <laughs> well, again, there's a reason. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we do have a new guest, another guest with us today, a good friend of ours, Kevin Dowling. How are Hello. you doing, Kevin? It's good to hear your beautiful voices in person. And it's good to hear your beautiful voice in person, Kevin. Um, we're glad that you were able to come up. Well, I was Thanks. excited to hear that you... Uh, we're playing the game and uh, uh, that you were interested to come on and, and share your experience with us. I am. Um, I, ever since y'all started this, I've been excited to actually come up here and see you guys and talk about the game a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for those of you listening, Kevin is an old friend of Ross and I's from uh, quite a few years ago and haven't seen him in a while, but he's he's here and he's here for good reason to be. Yeah, good to have him under uh, good circumstances, something yeah. we can all feel very passionate about and kind of have a, a good little conversation about today. Yeah. Uh, and Definitely. before we really dive into the meat of things, I did have a question, Kevin, like when did you kind of become aware of No Man's Sky and kind of take an interest in that? Um, well, I actually learned about it a good year before it was released. Um, I was going to college for game development, and this was one of the games that we learned about um, in one of my game development classes. Awesome. So, so you kind of got on the hype train early. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was just waiting uh, for it for quite a while. Awesome. And uh, has that has the hype been you know well worth it? Like, Do you feel like so far that it's lived up to, to possibly whatever expectation you might have had for the game? Um, well, it performs better than I thought it would. Um, the mechanics are a little lossy, uh, for me. Um, I was kind of hoping there would be more mechanics in the game. Right. Um, but I'm excited about where it's going to go. I I feel like it's a really good baseline for a really good game. That seems to be the consensus a lot of people have about the game, that it kind of has a, a, it's a good start in terms of just presenting a world and, and, a new way of generating the game. And I know that's what you're, you're here to kind of talk more about today. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, before we get into that, um, if you listen to Tuesday's episode, uh, we had already discussed the patch notes, and there have not been any new patch notes. Uh, the, the 1.07 update came out for the PS4 on Tuesday. And uh, like I said, we discussed those notes prior. Um, not a whole lot either really going on in the way of news. Uh, Sean's being pretty tight-lipped. Uh, about what they're actually working on we keep getting tweets about uh you know we're we're working around the clock they've added a new support team um to help you know work out any bugs and issues that anyone may be having uh with the game so um not really much in the way of news to talk about uh like i said if you want to check out the patch notes you can go to hello games website or no man's skies website and see them all there or you can go back and listen to tuesday's episode uh which you should do that instead (laughs) We do go into some interesting depth about it in terms of like personal experiences with some of the uh, patched Absolutely. parts of the game. So. Absolutely. Um, but I feel like Kevin has a lot to talk to us about today about the procedural generation and, uh, and a lot of the aspects. And it's going to be really interesting to get your take on it from someone who, who spent a little time going to school for game development. Um, so let's just, just jump right into your experience, Kevin. Um, first off, uh, last week our question of the week was, have you started feeling bored with the game yet? And, um, or are you still just having as much fun with it as, as when it first came out? Um, how, how's that, how's it working for you? I mean, are you still having just as much fun with the game as when it came out? Are you kind of starting to get a little weary? Um, no, not really. Actually, I don't have a lot of time to play it. So, um, it's kind of like a vacation for me. I I get off of work and on Saturday, I usually have a lot to do on the weekend, but I'll have a good two hours to just jerk off and uh, play the game for a while. Yeah, and I, I get on and I'll I'll travel space for a while. It's it's nice. It's <laughs> it's relaxing. It's not exactly a game you want to go in for a lot of adrenaline. Right. It's definitely it, it's a very relaxing game. Well, as we mentioned, I think in previous episodes, it's not meant to be an action game. At least not no. right now. Maybe one day it'll have more of those. Uh, characteristics but right now it's not meant to be an action game no not at all 
but I'm not bored at all. Um, I feel like the two hours on the weekend that I play is is perfect. And and I I think uh, that's kind of where I've landed at it on now on the game is that uh, we I kind of talked about it a little bit on the last episode, but uh, I I had kind of spent last Saturday binging on the game uh, with our friend and spent about seven and a half hours just nonstop playing the game. And I definitely felt a little burnt out after yeah, that. It I'm was sure a little you much. You can only mine so much plutonium. Exactly. Um, but in the past, this past few days, I've had a, a, a chance to play for a couple hours here and there, and I almost think that's kind of a better way to digest the game is in smaller fragments. Because at least as the game stands right now, with the content that it has in it there's uh like you said there's only so many materials to mine and a lot of people are getting to the point now where they've played so much that they have 48 slot ships and maxed out multi-tools and maxed out exosuits and they don't know what to do yeah well and i know that i tend to drag games out especially open world and rpg type games uh in this game it almost feels more rewarding i would say um to just kind of take it a few hours at a time and just enjoy your experience. Cause let's face it. Nobody is going to see 100% of this game. That's a freaking impossible. Right. It's not going to yeah. happen. Yeah. So let's just enjoy taking it at a pace where it feels comfortable. I think that's the you know, mistake that some people have made by rushing through the storylines is they're getting to the, you know, the storyline ending too quickly and they get burned. And it's like, just enjoy in taking the experience a little bit more in depth and, and enjoy that journey rather than the destination at the end. Yeah, I I play it less like a game and more like a vacation. Like I'm I'm gonna get in my spaceship and fly around for. A and while. then you're treating it like the true exploration game that it really is. Yeah, because you're seeing and, and I can agree with you. It's it's like I, I enjoy the new environments and the new plants and just taking all that in. It's like it's not about even sometimes having a clear cut objective on that planet. It's like oh I'm gonna explore this station. I'm gonna explore this rune, or I'm gonna learn some new words, or I'm gonna go talk to some aliens. It's you know. Right. It's, that that whole experience, I think, is really enjoyable. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this in the last episode or not, but uh, I, I do, thanks to the internet, know what happens at the end of each path. You know, no spoilers here. But um, I think having gained that information, knowing what's at the end of both of those paths, has made me feel okay with taking it kind of slow. Not worried right. about rushing because... Uh, you know, what's at the end may or may not be rewarding to some people and may not be what they expected. So if it's not, if, if my experience with it doesn't lead to the end being a big, exciting thing, it's like more, it's kind of, you know, enjoy the journey, not the destination, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I think, I guess we can all agree that digesting it in smaller chunks is almost kind of the best way, at least for us, to, to enjoy the game. I know there's plenty of people out there that haven't seemed to be able to peel their eyes off of the game. I had a, a, mes- a message on Reddit uh, from a user who has got 100 plus hours into the game already, and I'm just like, I, I, I don't know how you've spent so much time doing that. I love the game, but to, to that's a lot of time to commit to going from planet to planet to planet to planet. And I feel like at the end of that, you know, do you feel like you've accomplished something? Do you feel rewarded for that? Or do you just feel like you've spent a lot of time kind of doing the same thing? Every game has their fanatics, Dave. I guess so. So people that will do anything and play it for any length of time just to achieve. And that's good. Those are the people that listen to this. And those are the, you know, we, we we we're glad. I mean, that's what keeps. We love you, fanatics. It, it's Don't get players, us wrong. It's the fanatics and the common people who the casual players who only get so often to play it that uh, you know really help create such the divi- the diverse community within No Man's Sky that's been created. Like I said uh, about the Facebook group before, you know there are people in there who uh, are posting. Oh, have you guys seen one of these yet? And it's like you know, a vortex cube or something. And it's like, everybody else was like, well, of course we've seen those. Those we've <laughs> known about those for a long time. And then they will, um, uh, they are, um, going to, um, I'm sorry. Uh, but anyway, the, that I community, feel like this is a really good game to be a fanatic with though. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like if you're enjoying it right now, I think two, three years down in the future, you're going to be really, uh, satisfied. Yeah, this absolutely. Game. Like, absolutely. if if a game of fifteen developers can make what it is now, 
just imagine after they get the money and the actual resources to build a a big you know team right this game is going to be pretty awesome well and you have to be willing to play the long game it seems yeah absolutely this. Yeah. and then that's fine it's but it's weird it's like you have to play the long game but and you know we found maybe like in short attention span bursts right and while i don't necessarily 100 percent agree with with it necessarily be calling it a lot of people have referred to the game as a released early access game because like the steam early access games and early access games are unfinished products that are being worked on to eventually become a finished product to release normally but as a as a game developer myself there are no finished games. Right, exactly. So I Especially feel Especially these days where you can patch them. Oh yeah. Well, and that's how Exactly. I, that's and that's why I'm agreeing. I agree that in a year from now the game is what 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 are the possibilities? It's like and, and Sean has stated this from the beginning of of you know this is a blank canvas for us to build upon over time and and they they've listened to so much of the community and they're continuing to to develop and you know, I, I think once that first big patch comes out that adds that first new little bit of content, yeah. it's it's going to get all the naysayers kind of right back on board because maybe that content will add something that interests them more. Yeah. Um, hold that thought for just a second. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hey, everybody, we're back. Sorry about that little yeah, break there. I saw a leprechaun, and I had to go chase it. So Kevin's always after those leprechauns. It's probably why I haven't seen you. You've been on a sabbatical chasing leprechauns. Yeah, uh, always I mean, after those lucky charms. I've been all over the United States looking for that damn leprechaun. But uh, before we left, we were talking about um, just kind of kind of uh, what the game is now and the future of the game. Uh, I know part of the big reason you wanted to be on today, Kevin, was to talk a little bit about procedural generation and how how that works. Um, you want to dive into that a little bit for us and, and how, what your take on how it is for the no man's guy. Yeah, sure. Um, so a lot of a lot of be- people have been talking about it, and there's one thing that keeps popping up that kind of irks me. This this game is not random. There's nothing random about this game. What you see seems random about it, but what's actually going on is algorithms generating this content, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's pretty remarkable actually the way it works um so what happens is with each world there's a seed Mm -hmm. Uh, it could be a small number um maybe i'm I'm not really sure how it works in this game but maybe they use the x and y location Mm -hmm. or xyz location um where you're at and that seed will kind of birth out what's what you're seeing in the game and it's it's pretty remarkable because instead of having to store all this information, all this all this information is coming out of your computer, right? Out of your computer's processor using those algorithms. Yeah. So so there's very little data generating this humongous universe. Right. And I know a lot of people it's uh, when the game released, a lot of people kind of freaked out because of how small the actual game file is. And it's because of those algorithms um, not needing to actually st- store that information on your PC. Um, it, like you said, it just it creates it from from your PC, but is able to do it so and keep the game to a small file size. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and it it blows my mind that they can generate everything from the plant life to the animal life to even your conversations with aliens. With the aliens. Um, I, I think that it, it's it, you mentioned the seed system, and I, I didn't really understand how that worked. And uh, my first experience with like seeding was through Minecraft. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you create a new world in Minecraft, you can choose to uh, use a seed that's already been created to recreate someone else's world, or you can generate a new seed, which will create a unique world that's unlike any other one that's been generated prior. And um, so to think about that scale that's used in Minecraft to create, mm-hmm. you know, X number of blocks, uh, height and vertical and depth and everything. Uh, but then to create a universe using that same system. Yeah. You're right. It, mm-hmm. it is pretty remarkable. And the scale of Minecraft to No Man's Sky is incredible. Yeah. Uh, I was reading online and this guy brought up uh, some math behind it. And he said that for every... For every block in Minecraft, there's 114 
planets in wow. No Man's Sky. Wow. I, I mean, that's everything in the planet. Yeah. And that's a life-size planet. Well, and we can on. also expect that like, that's accurately representing uh, you know, the density of galaxies realistically. Just yeah. the sheer number of like stars and planets, you know, whether they're habitable or not, that are out, possibly out there. Yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that each star system has its own unique number of planets and just to, just to kind of think about it on the macro scale of just creating the entire universe that it creates and then scaling it down to the micro level all the way down to like you said the plants and the animals um where the buildings generate on planets um you know so it, it it's it's amazing to me that such a an algorithm exists that can be transposed into a game like no man's sky to create something just so incredibly vast and and that is i think the overarching theme of of no man's sky is 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 the vastness of it makes you feel so alone yeah um even knowing even though we can't see them yet even knowing that there are you know millions of people exploring the same universe as you you don't they what they're doing has no impact really on what you're doing right and makes you feel tiny you just yeah. see, you just kind of see the footprint of their discoveries right and yeah if if you get that far into it yeah um what have been some of your favorite elements of the game we'll, we'll start with the good and then we'll go to the bad of what you like and don't like about the game uh what what are some of your favorite parts about the game like what what do you spend most of your time doing when you play are you more of a uh do you destroy pirates are you more of like mining are you trying to learn one of the languages all the way through or are you trying to do a little bit of everything um a little bit of everything i've kind of gravitated towards dogfighting. i like going out and uh you know starting stuff with other uh ships you know on space that's one thing i haven't done yet is actually attacked any of like the trade ships that are out in space mm -hmm. um do you have you done that and does it does does the the hall benefit you as do you get a lot of minerals and materials from it um not really um i just you just know, fun flying just around fun. shooting stuff i got you yeah i've died a lot yeah. <laughs> i mean my uh, ship's not the greatest right now but and that's a that's kind of a good question you said that you've died a lot how many times have you died since you've been playing ross um five five six I think I've died about three times. Um, twice has been in space, and then once I died to Sentinels on the surface of a planet. Um, that was pretty, was pretty miserable. <laughs> uh, thankfully, however, it's pretty pathetic. Dude. Well, you know, when you're trying to to harvest all the sac venoms that you can, and they they're coming at you, um, it was because for the first time ever, I had hit a four star rating, uh -huh. and there were just Sentinels flying everywhere, blasting me. There was a unit on the ground. There was a larger unit. That I hadn't seen before that was trying to just do everything they could to destroy me. And it, it was almost like I hit that four-star four rating and was almost instantly dead. Because the stuff that was already there attacking me basically multiplied. And then it's like they all hit me at once and it was just black screen. Oh. I was like, oh, sad. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I haven't died to, to a Sentinel yet. Um, you know you can use the bombs... To shoot them. Yes, uh, Murphy actually talked about that on Tuesday's episode. That oh, did the the grenades are probably the best best way to take out the sentinels because you can, if you're accurate enough with them, you can take them out in one hit with those. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not that accurate with it though, so I, I try and I feel like I take I spend more time taking damage than if I just blast them with my laser or the bolt caster. <laughs> yeah. Um, are there things about the game that you don't really care for? Well, like I said, the mechanics are kind of lacking. Um, I wish there was a lot more mechanics and more to actually discover when it comes to upgrading your equipment. Um, it does seem kind of limited on that front. Yeah. You seem like after, you know, even just a couple systems, you you're get, start getting so many messages of already discovered this tech or already discovered this blueprint and, you know, maybe something in the future they can add ad additional algorithms or whatever to generate yeah, new yeah, equipment more, new upgrades more upgrades and another definitely. thing i've heard is that uh, a lot of people are getting to the point now where they don't know what to do with their units they found the shot the ship they want they've got everything else upgraded 
there's nothing else really for you to kind of waste money on in the game. Like, well, again, maybe that's something that will come into play when, when, with yeah. the base building and freighter building. Because I can imagine that's going to be very expensive. A very I mean, if, expensive. If they're going, I mean, you know, you see that some of the higher slot ships cost, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars or credits, as it were. And I can imagine that, you know, realistically, if that's the scale they're going for, then bases are going to cost a lot of money. Well, Other vehicles are going to cost a lot of money. Right. And, and and just materials in general. I mean, think about how much it takes to just build an exosuit upgrade or something like that. Well, I know that, like, um, I think Murphy is saying that, like, the higher level uh, hyperdrive upgrades cost, like, one of them needs, like, a thousand gold. Wow. Or something like that. So, yeah, yeah you know, they've been that already in the well, game and it's like well if, if they if they do the the base building in like a modular system where you're actually building walls or even building you know buildings for your base mm-hmm. it's like how much materials do you think an entire building costs yeah um and is there a limit to how big your building could actually be yeah that, like like how how similar or dissimilar to say other other games that allow you to build like you know fallout or something like how 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 is that going to differ? You know, how are they going to make it different? How are they going to make it better? Hopefully, in my opinion, if they used a building system similar to the way that Fallout and Skyrim's was, I think that would be perfect. I don't even care if the textures that I get are similar. Like if I either get the Corvax, the Gek, or the uh, Viking-looking buildings, mm-hmm. I don't care. But if I can build walls and make the structures how I see fit and shaped the way I want and everything. Yeah. I think that would be incredible. I would hope yeah. for maybe a little more custom ability, uh, a la like the Sims or something, where you can actually maybe like level level the ground or take out plants that are in your way. Because that is one thing that irks me about Skyrim and Fallout, especially Fallout, is like the the things on the ground they're already there poking through the floors of your yeah. buildings. Yeah. Well, well it just doesn't me, make sense for me. I'm excited about the building stuff because I like the horde. Mm-hmm. I'm like when I'm playing Skyrim, I've got thousands of swords right just sitting in uh, sitting in a box and if i can do that with no man's sky i'd be a happy man and that's definitely something that is needed somewhere to just store well you don't get to keep stuff either like when you get new multi-tools the other one goes away you get new ships the other ones go away like there's nearly nothing they don't let you keep anything that's worth showing off so they would have to change that too right like if i could have a a deck where i could keep all my ships yeah like a garage or something a ship garage a ship bay you just you know there's going to be someone that their entire base is just one small building in the center and it's just a ton of landing pads all connected to one another <laughs> with ships parked on it. Yeah. I've actually found a couple of Asians on a few planets that are like that that are like I love uh, those like, that are like bus that, depots. Yeah, for, yeah, it's the like ships. the, oh, the super, trading center. Super yeah. space depots and it has like eight or 10 landing pads. And there's always some shifty guy there that you can like hustle for some materials. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's always a galactic trade terminal, which yeah, is awesome. Yeah. And so if you can find one of those on a planet, that's something that you need to try to keep track of, which, you know, if they're going, going to do base building, I think it would only make sense if they did underground sections. That would be, that would be that cool would be if you cool. could do subterranean, have, have my building. subterranean, like a building on top, like a small little shack, but then like a massive subterranean. You go down the elevator and it's just vault. this massive complex down underneath. Yeah, that would be that would be great. Pure uh, speculation, folks. Of course, of course, of course. We we don't <laughs> no, know we, if or when anything's coming. He we, said it's coming. Yeah, Sean work. is actually here today. We're going to introduce Sean Murray. Uh, <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> hello, everyone. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, I'm really busy right now, but uh, we're so surprised at how many people are playing the game at the moment. Uh, anyway, uh, so thanks, Sean. He, he had to go. He had <laughs> so to go. hopefully they, they beamed him back to London. Yeah, yeah. They, it, we just straight. We have a, a teleporter in our backyard, and it, it, we just the the, the Dave, number of Dave, guests that you we don't have you don't have to explain it. It's okay. They, they, <laughs> they, they understand. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so like, going back to just briefly touch on what we said earlier, the the. Procedural generation is not something that's necessarily brand new to this game. It's been done, but it's new on this scale. Yeah, exactly. Procedural generation has been going on, um, has been going on for you know decades. Yeah. You know, in the seventies, they were they were having games that were procedurally generated, generating content uh, procedurally. And why wouldn't they? I mean, it um, might have been on a smaller scale, more limited basis. Oh yeah, but yeah, they were. Yeah, it was a smaller scale, but like, why wouldn't they? procedurally generate content like it costs a lot of money to store this information and uh when you have content generated um procedurally 
you know, you don't have to store that content. I think for a lot of people, their issue with procedural generation is it tends to, uh, like the biggest complaint I've heard is that yeah, it there's a lot to see, but after a while, it all kind of starts to look the same. Yeah, uh, kind of bland, I guess. Um, but I, I guess at the end, that's only defined by the parameters that are put into the algorithms, right. like the creatures. You know, there are times when it seems like there are. 10 features for each part of the creature's body and then it's just kind of a mishmash of those 10 features you know Mm -hmm. Uh, but then there are other times when i'll see stuff that i'll be like i haven't seen any of this on a creature before well and you talk about like you know the the spreading of of other people's game experiences all on the facebook group you know i've seen a lot of screen grabs from both pc and ps4 that have displayed creatures that look way different than anything I've seen. Right, absolutely, like the flying spaghetti monster. I haven't encountered anything that just kind of hovers. Or like, like you know, something that looks like a giant demonic teddy bear. Right. Yeah, that runs. <laughs> yeah, it's like a bipedal. I like that guy. death gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> um, I fed him a lot of carbon. Did you? Yeah. See, that's something I haven't done a lot of because I feel that whatever they lead me to. Like, I do it, if I feed the animals, sometimes it's just because I'm like, oh, you're cute. Like, I'm going to feed you. Right. But I don't ever follow them to see what it leads me to, because nine times out of ten, whatever it leads me to, I could have found on my own just as easily. Oh, it's it? like, oh, you... So if they lead you somewhere? Does it Yeah, like, somewhere? when they have it, when they have, if you follow them, they will take you to minerals and other materials no that way. are supposed to be of higher value. No way. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, and some of them... I just them, feed them because I like them. Some of them, <laughs> if you feed them, they will poop out mineral, minerals. <laughs> they they will they will fly around for a little while and they'll stop and then minerals will appear beneath them. And uh, But I found that r- there's really not a ton of benefit to following them because there's been a lot of times where I've fed something and it's like, oh, here's some plutonium crystals. And I'm like, I saw those. Like, I knew those were there. <laughs> Thanks, little guy. But like I said, most of the time when I, I feed them, it's just because they're cute. And I, I'm like, oh, hey, yeah. be friendly with me. Don't try to attack me. Yeah, be happy. Don't be yeah, one hear of its little squeeing voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the fact that the music is procedurally generated in the game is pretty incredible to mm-hmm. me. That's um, a hard thing to do. Because that means that you have to record, and Ross, you can probably speak a lot on this, just the fact that they had to sit down with... Uh, and they recorded all of these different loops and 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 lead riffs and all this stuff and put it into this big database and well, set some parameters for when it triggers certain I don't know like tempos and stuff. Well, that's what I was going to say is I don't know exactly how the procedural generating algorithms work on a mathematical level. I'm not a computer programmer, but as a musician, yeah, just the the sheer variety of keys and tempos and instrument sounds and melodies and all the things that make up unique sections of music without it sounding like the same old stuff. I mean, you know, throughout the, you know, 40, 50 years of video games, you hear different levels of varieties of music. Some games more limiting, limiting others having vast uh, soundtracks or uh, amounts of music that are played in different parts of the game. But just the fact that they can do that on a procedural level and create infinite varieties of unique musics to play. Uh, very, very interesting from a musical perspective. Even if I don't understand how it works. Uh, yeah, and, on the core. And I and I think I think that's kind of a great uh, part about it is that uh, I don't understand how it all works, and I don't need to uh, because it works. Uh, whether there's enough content there for you right now or not, it, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something unlike anything we've seen prior to this. Um, of course, there's been other space games, there's been other space exploration games and stuff like that. But and people would also argue maybe things that more rep- that are better representing of like a flight sim or space sim or right. whatever. But I done on the done on this scale, you it, it can't right. be matched. Right. Right. Um, and a big thing that I want to talk about here today is the infrastructure that they're starting off with is it's probably very limited. It was a small studio, so they don't have the database um, and the data center that these you know big companies have to start off with. So of course what you're seeing and what you're able to do isn't going to be able 
to be compared to these other um, these other studios game and my advice is just give it time give it time they're making money right now they're building that infrastructure I'm sure and it's gonna come it's absolutely it's come. I mean it takes time and I mean you can't help you can't blame them for saying okay this is what we've created let's put it out there let's see how it's received both uh, by the community uh, you know whether people like it or not as well as financially how it's received um, and then we'll go from there. It's like it, they had the idea set in place. They're just waiting on the reception and the 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 income, the capital, right. to be able to put everything in place. And that takes time. And um, sometimes when you have that new idea, it's kind of hard to 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 know if it's going to succeed or not. Do you have the faith of the community? Like a podcast, yeah, such as this one, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which our community may be small and our listener base may be small at this time, but we love each and every one of you, and you're special to us. And we can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think some of... Uh, I've continued having just a lot of wow moments in this game. Uh, every time I feel like I'm like getting kind of bored with it or I'm getting into the same old routine, something will come along that just makes me go, this is why I like this game. This game, whether it be a space battle or I, I land on some planet and, you know, it's breathtaking... Um, I think the best time to be on any planet is during dawn or sunset because all the planets, even the ugly ones that are like green and everything, look crazy with the lighting changing. And I think it's incredible that they're able to do that. And the fact that in theory, I could be on one side of the planet and it'd be light and you could be on the other side of the planet and it would be dark. And that's, I could, there have been people who have walked to try to see how far they can get on a planet. Uh-huh. And have like caught up with the sun, and that's awesome. That's that's amazing, um, because it's unlike anything I've experienced before. Um, Kevin, are are there any? We talked kind of earlier about what you're what you've been doing. You've been doing a lot of space battles and stuff. A lot of people, their goal is to either get the best ship to get the you know to to follow the atlas path or whatever are there any specific goals that you have right now in the game things that when you say well next time i sit down this is what i'm gonna try to work towards yeah I've, I've been trying to build my ship and i'm trying to get money like i gotta I, stack that cash i'm trying to make a lot of money like i said i'm a hoarder when i'm playing these open world games and that's what i've been doing i've been trying to hoard as much cash as possible how many uh, systems have you been to at this time I'm on System 5. System 5. Have you discovered any of those artifact worlds yet with all of the, the like the uh, albumin pearls or gravitino balls or any of those? Have Vortex you, cubes. Have you encountered any of those Sack yet? venoms. Um, yeah, a couple of them. Yeah, those are the those are the plants. Those are the money makers, man. Yeah. You, gotta, you just got to deal with those sentinels and, you know, just fill up your ship and just keep making those trips back and forth to the terminal. And next well, thing you know, I the, the day that I hit a million units that same day i then had four million units like an hour later i was like okay because <laughs> you knew what you know because i knew you know i just knew i was like and it gets a little grindy but yeah. you just spend a little bit of time doing that and then you have cash to play with so you can go do other stuff and wait on finding that next ship it's not like you, you feel like you have to grind for hours and hours and right. hours unless you really are like trying to find that 48 slot you just stacking that cash another thing that i've been doing is uh when i find like a trade terminal mm-hmm. i'll just mine the resources around that trade terminal and come back and sell it all for a little quick cash yeah that's yeah. a good idea and then leave i know the advice section isn't coming to later but I oh, no. well i'll also know that like you know we've, we've talked about in past episodes the pros and cons of mining for your credits versus trying to find artifacts on artifact worlds so it seems like you know between people that that live here and the people that have been on the cast here before you know uh, we've kind of we're kind of split. Like I prefer I've preferred mining and my techniques of acquire, acquiring credits, but um, I know that Dave and Murphy have done more on just finding the artifacts. So it's a difference of philosophy and practice. But you know, just care. Just yeah. it seems I guess maybe if you can kind of combine that a little yeah, bit yeah. by doing quick mining That's around a terminal, then yeah, it definitely kind of speeds up the time. It doesn't feel like you're slaving over big old amount of mineral or something. Yeah. Yeah, um, which is what I've done. <laughs> well, that's the best part about this is you can. There's no there's no right way to play the game. 
Yeah, you just play it the way you want to play. You know, there are people who are have been to hundreds of planets. There are people who are still on their first system that are just trying to get and experience everything they can on the planets in their very first system. And um, I, I just think I think that's that's a, a wonderful thing because a lot of games, uh, like AAA titles and stuff, it, it's like you're almost constantly striving to either be the best because it's competitive or you're looking at guides and stuff to, to see how you can play the game the best way and get the best experience out of it based on other people's opinions. And with this game, there's no, you do what you want. And I think for some people, they love that. Other people hate that because they don't, they get to a point where they can't create their own adventure. You know, there's not much in the way of like specific strategy. Um, like in terms of like, like a lot of other games that would merit or you know merit having a strategy guide released an official strategy guide there's really nothing there's not enough content that you could for sure talk about for this game that's going to be exacting for everybody because yeah. it is because of the procedural generation it's pretty much how do you want to play the game yeah where you're put well and i've seen play. people talk about you know starting a wiki to document planets and stuff like that and i i think at this stage in the game that's not even necessary because it doesn't do me any good to know about you know planet Kepler seven or whatever that is over here, way far, far That's, away from you know, where I am. Five, five hundred thousand light years away on the other side of the galaxy. Right. Yeah, and good luck on that wiki document. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying, trying to compose that and getting enough people to contribute to it. That one, you know, subsection of wikia probably would be bigger than Wikipedia. It would be bigger. It than would Wikipedia. have to be if, if, if every planet and had its know, own entry. Yeah. Even if you only had like a small portion, like somewhere between 25 to 50% of the players actually documenting their discoveries, you still have a massive amount of data. Huge. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess another, have there been, we kind of talked a little bit about the creatures and stuff. Have, have, do you take screenshots when you play the game? No. Not you should really. start taking screenshots. Uh, I think what we're going to start doing is asking uh, our listeners to send us uh, uh, screenshots every week, and we're going to put them up on the website and uh, let everybody else come and check those out and, and see them. Um, Just like basically like what you know what you might consider to be your the highlight of your last week of yeah play. whatever like, like, yeah, what's the most us... exciting thing you've seen the most exciting creature the most exciting location or whatever that you've seen just to share it so that everyone kind of gets to see what other people are experiencing yeah. yeah everybody send us one or two photos um you can email those over to the atlascast at gmail.com um and and we'll we'll uh if there's any really interesting ones we might talk about them on the podcast but otherwise we'll put them up on the website and maybe on the facebook to uh just kind of uh you know have all the listeners be able to share their content and what they're doing because you're listening to us talk about what we're doing we want to know what you guys are doing too uh, has but the, has there been any planets or creatures, Kevin, that have just like been your favorites? Um, I know I have a planet that uh, is in my first system. That not only is it beautiful, but it's also full of artifacts. So that I find myself jumping back to that system to go to that planet a lot. Um, have there been any ones that have just stood out to you that you you find yourself going back to, or are you kind of pressing forward always? Well, I've been on this one planet for a good three or four sessions now. Um, mostly because the environment is is fine. Like there's nothing you harmful to, in the right. environment, and there's a lot of plutonium around. Awesome. So I could just keep on mining as yeah. long as I want. Keep flying around, exploring all parts of the planet. Yeah. Are there a lot of uh, creatures and plants on the planet? Yeah, it's it's pretty healthy. Awesome. Um, and that's one thing we've talked about in past episodes. Just you know, even on the planet, just the number of locations you can discover yeah so i'm and i'm not getting bored with it um when you find that beautiful planet why not could, stick around for a few I could hours fly away stop but and, i'm not doing stop it. and smell the space roses that's right <laughs> they, they 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 might be purple and green and all sorts of crazy cr- colors but they're there they're there Blowing in the space wind <laughs> until i shoot them with my laser yeah and then they're gone <laughs> they uh, produce carbon 12 uh, to be exact well, also know that you had said before that you're you're trying to kind of hundred percent a lot of the planets, and you know you're taking your time and doing that. Um, yeah, and not so much. Haven't really been too successful in hundred percenting uh, any of the planets I've been it's on. It's tough, but, but like, yeah, it really is. Like if if you're you know 
and you could spend hours and and unless you're really trying to look for new things mostly like when i'm exploring things i'm just trying to find as many of the waypoints and stops that i can find especially if it's like drop pods where you can expand your exosuit or uh ruins where you can learn new words uh but yeah it's just it's hard it's hard 100 percent a planet um i know that if you have one that doesn't have any plant life or animal life then it's a little bit easier because there's a little bit less to right you're just discovering kind of the locations exactly but and that's one thing i, ho- I hope that they kind of improve later on because it seems like once you start discovering waypoints it's you only have room for, I think, like six. Yeah, and then they your, start getting and, pushed off. And them. they get pushed off, and you can't go back to the other ones. So, so you if couldn't you, if spend you hours discovering, a, like, you'd have to You locations. have to upload them six at a time. Otherwise, they disappear. They seem to disappear off. And the thing is, like, for animals and plants and for in this submenus for systems and planets, you can drop down and, and check all that stuff out. So why can't you advance the pages on the waypoints? Right. That's one thing I think that, that really kind of needs to be fixed. It's kind of. It's kind of bothersome well, if you're point, not if you're not consistently. In general needs to kind of be worked yeah. on because you can't you can't really set any of your own waypoints, and a lot of times you'll find that waypoints will appear on a planet, and then when you kind of go back out into the system, you're constantly being bombarded by icons on every corner of your screen because yeah. there are ruins or an outpost on this planet that you left 20 minutes ago that you don't have any interest in going back to right now. What, what me, I think would might be a good solution actually is if. Um, icons you've discovered on a planet only appear when you have that planet selected in your journal. I, so as soon as you are selected on another planet, then those icons disappear and it doesn't try to drag you back yeah. to that planet saying, Hey, look, there's an outpost here or there's a, a warehouse or a you know, there's a radio signal here or whatever. Yeah. And I don't care about that space station right now. Right. Exactly. It's like, I'm, I'm moving on to a new planet. A I'm, distress signal in space. I don't care. I don't yeah. <laughs> turn the waypoint off. <laughs> um, and, and that's kind of hopefully another one of those, you know coming I, soon i would uh, love custom waypoints as well like you mentioned that that would have saved me so much time absolutely is I, I found this crash spaceship at one point and i got there didn't have what i needed tried to mine around it and i couldn't find that one piece that i needed to have it lift off so um i tried to find a trade center i left with my spaceship like an idiot and I couldn't find it again. I had spent a good hour and a half on this stupid spaceship, and I, I couldn't find it again. It's possible you might be able to locate it again by finding the distress signal that leads to that ship, it, but, but that could be any. But yeah, that, that that's kind of by. that's kind of like a crapshoot in a way because it's it's kind of a chance. You don't. It's not going to be a for sure. Yeah, I tried paying for that. I tried one. that and it didn't work. Ah, well, and I know tough too, luck, Kevin. Yeah, like, there in my starting planets, I was like, well, if if I find a base and it has a a terminal at it you know i can name it something and then put in parenthesis has terminal or shop here or something you know uh but even even then like the locations that you've discovered that track in your journal there's no guarantee of getting back to those on the planet because there's no indication as to whether uh the location you're going to has truly been discovered or not and most of the time the stuff that pops up on your minimap unless you're just in the journal area only shows like new stuff when you scan. Yeah. So I've flown over bases that weren't indicated on the interface and stopped at them and they were undiscovered locations and they didn't even pop up on my interface or I would stop at something and say, Oh, what is this place? And I'd already been there. I've seen the same thing. Yeah. Where you'll, you'll fly over a location and then not even a question mark icon pops up and you know, maybe it, it I don't know if they'll go this detail, but it would be optimal, actually, if you could toggle each individual waypoint that you've already discovered on and off. So if you wanted to go back to some place, you could say, hey, put this on my map. Show me how far away I am right. from it and lead yeah. me there. Or even like a coordinate system. Just add a coordinate system to the planet. Even if I have to sit down and write it on a notepad like, hey, this is here, you know, because Minecraft doesn't have a map. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has the map in the game, but it doesn't work really well. But there's no like overall mini map. Right. Um, you know, if you want to know where your buddy's house is in your world, you write down the coordinates and you use the the game to go to those coordinates. Right. Um, but I think I think interface upgrades are something that we might not necessarily see right now because they're still working on ironing out a lot of bugs that people are having with the game. They said they weren't going to start releasing new content for the game until they had made sure everybody was able to play it. 
uh, which is which is good. I would yeah. rather than make sure everyone can play it than start pumping out content that yeah. that people can't even use. Just leaving leaving those people behind. But uh, I think in the future we'll see some interface upgrades, and I, I think you know a lot of times patches kind of will have one big aspect of it, and then there's a lot of little things bundled with it. And I think some of those interface things will come in slowly with some of the other big patches, um, because it would be really nice to have an actual system to where I can go to my journal and go to any of the planets or a system set a waypoint be able to go to the galactic map find where that system is uh, i don't care if it's a million and if i can't get to it because of my physical limitations of my ship i still would like to be able to set a, a marker for it or a specific planet within that like system. a jump path or right. on the planet a specific base um well because like if, if you're talking about the scale of galactic travel like that you should be able to form if you're if you can see the stars like we can in the the galaxy map, you should be able to map a path, a warp path from system to system back to wherever you're trying to get to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kevin, uh, every week we try to do a little bit of advice and tips, kind of a tip of the week section. Um, have you come across anything that that you felt like has made your game experience a little easier that you would like to share with anybody else? Uh, any any kind of like little tricks or advice that you have for players? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna I was actually gonna say this until you stole it from me. Like I have a naming convention for the stuff I find. Um, so every time I land on a new planet, I'll name it. And the first thing I do is the main resource that I can find on the planet. Okay. Then I do the environment and what it's like, and then I say. How how many trade terminals? Like if it's a okay. if it's a light, uh, if there's not many trade terminals, I'll, I'll put light. If there's a lot of trade terminals, I'll put heavy. So I really like that a lot. So you have a more practical kind of pragmatic approach to to naming things, to where it's like, okay, this is giving me the information I need, rather than like, oh, this is named some weird name. What oh, was, it, what was that planet this, about? Oh, this right. is planet classic tomato. I <laughs> <laughs> named planets after soups. Planet, <laughs> Kevin planet, over here planet got, clam chowder. Yeah. Kevin over here has got a... That's a good system, and I, I think I actually might start doing that for my own and steal it from you because um, that would be really beneficial because there are times that I get confused. Oh, was it Planet blah, blah, blah that had this stuff on it that right. I was looking for? Was it Planet, you know, whatever um, that had it instead? And, and then you kind of spend resources going to planets just to land and realize, oh, damn, this wasn't the planet that I meant, planet that I meant to go to. And then you have to get back off the planet, spend more of your pulse drive uh, juice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's a good that's a good system. Yeah, I just look from a space station, and I'm like, all right, do I want gold or you know, iridium? What you know, what do I need? And I just look at my naming convention. Um, another another piece of advice is, I make sure to have plutonium on me, all times. Right all times uh when i get to a planet if it doesn't have plutonium on it i just i leave like if i if i scan it and i don't see plutonium on my map i just it's not even worth your time i just leave so just yeah. a little piece of tip. hard to explore without fuel well exactly right. and and plutonium you know i think of of the resources plutonium is probably the best one to carry on you because you can use it not only for your launch thrusters and other parts of your ship, but I'm pretty sure you use it. You can use it to for exosuit uh, for your it's exosuit and your multi tool. It's every it's everything you need. You can take off with it. You can mine with it, and you stay alive with it. So, how many uh, inventory spaces have you got up to in your exosuit? Um, I don't remember. I think it's eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. Getting up there. They get expensive after a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been pretty fortunate enough to come quite. Uh, come across quite a few of those drop pods so i think i'm up to 32 now where are you at ross i'm still sitting at 30 i haven't found any more and if i'm not mistaken i don't know i think 32 is the max because i've got all the rows filled out now so they're not going to add another row you think i don't i mean they might but uh, as of right now i if i'm not mistaken i think 32 is the exosuit like the whole outline you know it gets gets bigger right as you add the rows so it might it might go bigger what if your exosuit i want that slot can go i want that 48 what if if it can get as big as the ships (laughs) yeah yeah 48 and 48 
Well, and that's another thing, too, because they talked about having freighters in the game later on. I mean, uh, what is that going to work? Is that going to be just a, basically a big storage facility in space that I can fly up to and dump stuff off? I mean, is it going to be kind of actually land and get out of my ship on it? Well, that's, you know, that I guess that uh, that terms depends on if they actually introduce the idea that you can have more than one ship. That's true, too. Mm-hmm. And then how do you manage the ships? That increases. That That's a new interface system. But I have faith in Hello Games. I, I think they... They know what they're doing. They want to do it. They're excited to do it. They are. They seem to be very pleased, at least with the fan base, not the haters, but the right. fan base. There's and always going to be haters. There's always haters. Doesn't for matter for every what game. It is. Yeah, and every podcast. Absolutely, and every podcast. <laughs> uh, not yeah. this one though. I got. I we only had one negative. I just want to jump on this real quick. We've only okay. had one negative about this podcast, and it wasn't even having anything to do with the podcast. I posted something on Reddit yesterday which apparently I'm not allowed to do anymore, uh, in the No Man's Sky uh, subreddit. And I said, hey, you know, if you haven't had a chance yet, check this out. I had one comment that just said, how about no? <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, if that's the Ouch. worst, then okay, fine. Just don't <laughs> listen. I don't care. Listener, don't listen. Really, really hurt hurt our feelings there. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Yes. Random redditor. Thanks, troll. <laughs> and uh, so, but over, uh, overall, I think it's been a pretty positive uh, experience. Um, I did have a couple things that I wanted to, to bring up. I wanted to read some answers from last week's question of the week. Um, we did actually have a couple submissions for that. Uh, one came from Brandon Nelson. He says, Hey guys, I love the show. In response to the question of the week, I don't find myself getting tired of No Man's Sky yet. After collecting the Atlas Stones and getting nothing out of it because of a bug, I still find myself loving this game. As of now, I'm just making my way to the center and searching for planets that I find ideal to build a base on if that ever becomes a part of the game. Can't wait to hear from you guys next week. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, I'm glad to hear that you're not getting bored with the game yet. And I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm getting bored with the game. Like we talked about earlier in the episode, I think that I'm, I'm okay with just playing the game in smaller chunks instead of wanting to sit and binge it because that kind of causes a little burnout. Um, give me just one second to bring it up. But. Well, and again, maybe until they add more mechanics to the game, which is some, seems something people that both people that love the game and are hitting on the game agree on, actually, is that there needs to be more mechanics, or they would like to see more mechanics. Until then, it actually does seem like it's better to experience in smaller doses because it keeps you from getting, like you say, burned out on the experience of the game. Right, absolutely. Um, and... And, and that's, I think that, I don't think there's anything wrong with people wanting more. I think if anything, that speaks very highly of the game because it's like, okay, I already like what you've given me and now I want more of it to increase that experience. And I think some people are looking at it as being a bad thing, as it being, oh, well, you guys didn't give me what I expected. But I, I think that really what they're saying is, well, I, I want to love this game and I like this yeah. game. I just need a little more from it. And I think that's okay. I think that's part of, of video game development nowadays is that it's constantly expanding and in, increasing the life of the product. And I'm sure Sean Mary loves loves that stuff. Like, uh, you know, he, yeah. he probably lives for people telling him what they want in the game because he doesn't know. He doesn't know until you tell him. Right. Well, and, that, you know, I think, I think we talked on Tuesday's episode that we were talking specifically about mods and the incorporation of um, user-built mods being in, used in uh, future updates and just becoming like hard patches into the game. Um, I think that Sean Murray is, is you know, going to do his best to listen to the community and what people are clamoring for, like what they want, what they'd like to see, and take that into account in the future development of the game. Mm-hmm. We had another answer to our question of the week, but I am having a hard time finding it right now. I'm sorry, Patrick. Can I ask a question while you're looking yeah, for Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Um, have y'all found the Atlas Passes yet? Uh, I found V1 of the Atlas Path. I know uh, Murphy's pass. found one. You get it at your uh, first Atlas you point, right? You get the V1 Atlas Pass at your first interaction with the Atlas interface. Which, when you go into the galactic map and you go to another star system, it will, and it's on the Atlas Path, it will let you know that there's an Atlas interface there. And you'll go and you'll talk to some people. And so that's I've, where you get your V1 at. If I've gone to five systems since that point, well, is it, it depends too on late? It, no. You have but to follow the path. Of, you have to follow the path of the Atlas. You know, in the so galactic map, you can. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. And then Sorry, you'll you come across it. 
Yeah, because um, I mean, like, I, I know where the, my first uh, Atlas point is, and it's still like four or five systems away, and I've already okay. been to four or five systems. Okay, cool. So, yeah, it, it is that the first little way. I think it that might be generated differently for different players, but for some, it seems like it's a little further away than others. Yeah. And that's kind of one that thing might that, be what's going on. that I've seen is that it, it seems a little different for people when when certain events are triggered. Like when it points you to go to the Atlas the first time or, or to the Atlas interface the first time mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It seems like it happens, and maybe it's just because of how we're each individually progressing, you know, how many systems we're going, which path we're going down. But um, Well, at one, at one point, you know, from the, from the beginning of the game, I kind of always thought that after seeing all the the access that you could get with just the first level of the atlas pass like i kept thinking all right once i get that pass i'm going to go back to all these planets and open up all these containers and open up all these doors no i'm not going to do that it's just going to be so hard like you might you might do some of them but realistically you're probably just better off continuing on your adventure going forward and I, opening future because it's like oh you know that stuff's generated too so it, you, you know you're not you're not getting anything uniquely special mm-hmm lot it's unlikely you're gonna have anything that's absolutely 100 percent unique only in one location only behind one door right but i still want to know what's behind yeah stick. yeah, yeah and, and of course like if you have the opportunity to go back it's not like you know oh, yeah. i don't think i think most players are not going to make um exceptions to just spend hours and hours and days and days going back to like hundreds of systems they've already been to to open up a bunch of doors mm-hmm. well i think the funny part about it is is that the system that i got my first atlas pass in uh, the next planet that I landed on and I found a base, I was like, oh, I can go through this door now. No, the doors in that system required version two yeah. of the Atlas <laughs> Well, I think like two and three, you can actually get a little bit easier. Like uh, I've, That's one thing you know, we talked about uh, earlier in this show about there's not much in the way of like strategy or like a strategy guide type material that could be published for this game. Uh, that is one thing that can be found online if, if any player wants to know is finding levels two and three two of the atlas pass the atlas like, like i think there's like a certain way you have to do it it's kind of similar to um murphy's strategy for finding derelict ships right where you have to do um bypass chips into the the, the scanners and, oh, and and go okay. to certain you have to like look for one of those right. those one of those four options that you have to go to like every time or something and gotcha. eventually you find what you need to yeah, get those passes strategy to some of it yeah well i've heard from a lot of people that they feel like the game itself is one big puzzle that that nobody knows the answer to yet. Even people that have made it to the center, people that have finished the Atlas, um, they feel like they don't, they haven't really solved what the game is trying to get them to figure out. Uh, That's got to be, uh, a, for some, probably a good feeling and others very infuriating. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the grand mystery. <laughs> a lot of time spent. I, I'm definitely uh, more on the, uh, the, uh, thankful side of that because it's like okay yes you're going to give me more to wonder about in this game and even more to keep me hooked sure um, I did find Pat's post uh, Patrick Burkholt says on the Facebook page uh, he feels a little burned out in the sense that he may not actively come ho- look to come home and start playing but when he decides to play it he spends quite a bit of time on the game even if it feels repetitive because he has to find that next monolith or station learn those new words and discover new de- technology so at times, yes, he feels a little burnt out, but when he's in the game, he still enjoys it a lot. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks, Patrick. Um, and I think, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about, Kev? Um, that's about it. All um, right. Yeah. This game is is pretty awesome, and I'm excited about where it's going. Yeah. And I think that, that continues to be the theme for the Atlas is that um, we love the game. And we're going to be around for the long haul to see to see where it goes. And we're going to be here to continue talking about it as long as you keep listening. Indeed. Yeah, and Sean Murray, don't get disappointed about the haters. They're, the haters are going to hate. They're going to hate. Just let this them hate. This game is awesome. Your Maybe mustache deflects haters we, we, anyway. We talk as though Sean Murray is listening to our podcast. He is. Didn't you hear him? He was here earlier. <laughs> yeah, he's here. He's, here. he's too busy. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for the Atlas this week. A big thank you to Kevin for coming, uh, traveling into town just to, to be on the episode. Um, as always, a big thank you to our listeners. Um, keep on listening. If you enjoy it, like, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, our Facebook page. And if you have friends that are playing the game that don't know about the podcast yet, share it with them. Um, as always, I'm your host, David Fennell. Oh, uh, I did. Thanks for bringing that up, Ross. I forgot about the question of the week. We're not going to leave yet. Um, the question of the week for this week is going to be, since we talked about procedural generation, um, my question was, do you feel that the procedural generation that's presented in this game 
is satisfying? Is it does it make you does it is it as grand um, and and amazing every time you go to a new planet, or does it feel kind of bland and you're seeing repetitiveness throughout? Um, you can let us know on the Facebook page. Kevin and I was gonna we normally ask the guests what their thoughts on it was, but you kind of brought it all up today, so kind of know uh, how you feel, you know, about that. Um, but uh, respond to the question of the week either on the Facebook page or you can send it to the atlascast at gmail dot com. Uh, again, I'm David Fennell, and as always, I'm joined by Ross. Uh, good to have have another podcast out this week. It's good to be back on Sunday, as absolutely. I said before. And Kevin, you're coming back. I'm going to be back. You have to come back. Yeah. You're yeah, we're, a great we're, guest. We're going to have to have you, have you on again. Thanks. All right. Well, uh, this has been The Atlas, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Happy exploring. Enjoy your burrito. <laughs>